Hello, and thank you for downloading this latest episode of Beast Pod. My name is Ian Bottrell, and I'm joined today by Mem and Charlie, who each cast a keen eye over the team's latest performance, a 1-0 victory at home to Luton Town. In the second part of the show, I catch up with Matthew Fisher, aka Loudmouth BFC, who shares his thoughts on the squad's comings and goings before the transfer window shuts in a fortnight's time. We really hope you enjoy the show. I'm joined here by uh, Charlie and Mem, uh, who both watched uh, the looting game along with myself. And um, we're just going to start, if I'd like, um, Mem, by how we set up for the game. What was um, what did you notice about how Rossi approached the game um, during the first half? Well, the first thing I spotted was that the actual uh, formation had been tweaked. Um, do you remember when, in the last podcast when we talked about, I was a little bit concerned about how Di- Luton's diamond would match up against our uh, either our 4-2-3-1 or our 3-5-2? Well, what Rossi did was he went like for like in the centre and mid. So we actually ended up playing diamond in midfield. We played more of a 3-6-1. Um, and I will actually post up uh, when this goes live. I'll post up my evidence because there is actually quite a lot of cases where I've taken screenshots where it's really clear uh, at Crag Pro was playing in a diamond. So, but we we played very tentatively. We looked to go ma- go man for man with them in midfield. Um, and to be honest, the game was all about um, the two setups cancelling each other out throughout the game there's hardly any chances created and it really was one bit of quality right at the end which which uh which settled the game and charlie what about yourself did you pick up similar things uh in how we approached the first half or did you see us trying to do anything different from say the forest green game what did you think well i the one thing i think changed it not changed it but when when johnson and taylor went off injured I think obviously for the long term it's not great that those two uh, have got in, picked up injuries but for that game in particular I think it worked in our favour them two getting injured because I thought my well I know um, Taylor got man of the match but my man of the match personally was Charlie Clough I thought he was absolutely unbelievable and he marked he obviously, he obviously came on when Johnson went off injured which allowed Chitunda to go wing back and I mean, there's been questions over Chichinda's defensive capabilities. I mean, he had a cracking game, but obviously Charlie Clough's the out-and-out centre-back. And he came on and took where took over where Chichinda was playing. And he completely, completely man-marked um, Isaac Vassell out of the game for the full full 90 minutes, who was just today signed for Birmingham. So, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a championship player. And I think... Those those injuries in that particular game against Luton and how they how they set up I think worked for us um, without without that sounding like I wanted them to to get injured but I think and then with with Taylor going off it obviously allowed Marrow to go fullback and Jack Taylor to come on and play in play in the midfield where he's sort of up, up there with the, our best midfielders at the moment so I think that was a, that was a huge turning point in the game the actual t- the two early injuries for us 
And if we look into the second half, Mem, you, you've talked a little bit about our formation and how we've set up. Um, did you see any changes to that? And secondly, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how we're playing within that shape. Um, you know, because there are a few things I think we're doing differently defensively in terms of our pressing from the previous year. So I don't know if you want to pick up on any of those things, both did we change and what are we doing within that shape that makes it effective? Yeah, so the big, the big, what in the last game we played well in the games against Peterborough and say the second half against Forest Green, what the what seemed to be happening is we were, we were seen to be hunting in packs of two, um, and what was noticeable in this game was that it was a the, the diamond was was stick was trying to stick as close together as possible. So Weston was playing at the base of the diamond, and to the right of him was uh, initially was Mauro. And to the left, left was JCR with the uh, Akbag Pro at uh, at the top. What happened was when Mara had to go to right midfield, then JCR came over to so right wing back. JCR came over to the right side, um, and Jack Taylor came to the left side uh, of that diamond. But it was quite narrow. It was quite narrow, and they tried to stay as close together as possible. So. And what was also more noticeable as well is we actually were playing a slight Martin Allen style tactic, which was we were dropping off very, very deep and it was very deliberate. So what we were doing is we were trying to keep the, the space between the midfield and the defence very tight. And we were looking to try and play the ball over to Coolest over the top. Um, who was he was the only guy forward. But from my from my to my eyes, it, it looked that we were just trying it far too often. So it wasn't even a case that we were trying to just bring bring Luton onto us and then surprising them because we actually did it far too often to be, for it to be a surprise. And after a while, they just got they they you know very early on they got they got the gist of what was going on. But in the second half, we actually kept the shape as well. So Rossi clearly was instructed the team: we hold our shape, we stay disciplined, um, we don't go charging out, and we will try and win this game from you know piece of magic um because the only time i think that he actually let sort of the handbrake off a little bit was yeah apparently he told um uh jack taylor right towards the end look for some second balls and get get back you know try and push up a little bit but up until that point it was a really really disciplined performance and um, and in terms of Charlie, we talked a little bit there about Luton going into the game and sort of what a strong side they were. We managed to restrict them to three shots on target throughout the game, um, despite Jamie making some fantastic saves. How impressed are you with our defensive solidity compared to last season? I mean, do you see a real change? Is it just a case of of, of better defenders? So having you know Tatonda, Clough, and Nelson playing regularly, what what has changed for you? I just think we look we just look like a much more tighter unit um, and I think the, the big thing as well is having because Stevens was out um, a lot of a lot of last season having sort of the familiar familiarity between the keeper and your your back three or five or whatever it may be um, and we just look we look a lot more disciplined there's a lot more it's a lot more structured um, you, you can see it it's, it's, it's clear to see on the pitch like what what Rossi's sort of trying to drill into them and um they're all working to if you watch they're all working together they all if one moves up then the other one goes back we all they all just stick with their players um and i think yeah i think discipline is the big the big word that's that's what stood out for me on the weekend and ma'am if we look ahead um sort of further up the pitch then um a lot of people 
tipped us to really struggle without John Akinde. Um, we've now played three games without him, unbeaten in three, against sides who, you know, even with him in the team, would be quite difficult to take points off. Um, what, what do you make of, A, the impact of John missing, and B, how the team have adapted to sort of cover his, in, his absence? Well, I suppose the first thing that was happening is that the midfield run, we're having more midfield runners coming through. Um, too much, um, too often last year, um, John, Big John, understandably, was the only outlet for most of our players, um, uh, the only person that we try and pass. And, and I think the danger sometimes is when you've got a guy who is such a focal point of the team is that players will start to pass the ball to them even when that person's not not the right person to pass to. So it seems this season there seems to be better pre- better appreciation of players that are in better positions. Um, but we're also fighting, we're also what we're trying to do as well because we've got that solidity of that three at the back. Um, and to, uh, on Saturday it was uh, Western was playing a very disciplined role. Um, the midfield players were encouraged to break when we did have the ball. Um, but actually, I noticed it was the, the handbrake was a little bit on compared to say Peterborough, where we were where we had Mauro was making some lung bursting runs into the box. I think on this game, I think uh, Rossi was really keen to make sure that we don't we don't open ourselves up whatsoever. Okay, and and Charlie, if we if we look then into a couple of questions that people have asked, um, so two questions about about Luton. Firstly, um. One of the, you know, a Luton fan, this is from Broken Man on Twitter, he said, a Luton fan said he thought we had 12 players uh, on the pitch. Uh, do you think defending from the front in this way is sustainable over the season? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, we were pressing really, really well on the weekend. Um, and I think it showed towards towards the back end of the game. Um, Shaq and Akpa Akpro looked it looked completely finished by the end of it. Um, I know Shaq hasn't really had a pre-season properly, but um, I think it all stems from defending from the front. We didn't give them any time. Um, and when they did, when they were on the ball and they were having spells of dominating possession, we stuck to our guns. Um, every, everyone was really on their job um, on the weekend. And I think if that's drilled into you in training during the weeks and you emulate it on the pitch on a Saturday, I think it it would just become second nature. Um, so I think, yeah, to the answer that question is, yeah, I think we can keep up this season if we if, if we stick to our guns. Um, and and secondly, Mem, we've talked a little bit about um, a three five two um, and how we've used that shape. Do you, a lot of people were demanding at the start of the season a new uh, defensive midfielder, holding midfielder. Do you think that's still an issue? I know you've touched on this in previous podcasts. Do you think that's still an issue? Or do you think that the way we're playing this three five two, as Joe Ferris asked, is actually making it less vital for us to have that player in there? Um, I think having um I think having uh Curtis playing in that holding role, actually um I'm not sure if we need somebody else. Um potentially we need cover for Curtis, but then we've got Wesley Fongook. Um so it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a tricky one because I wonder whether or not the actual we maybe need to replace John but I mean we'll come on to that and I'm sure in this uh, pod but I've always I've I liked Weston when he played holding mid under uh, under Edgar Davids and I thought he played a very smart role in there he's not a guy that is going to be he's not your typical uh, clogger in there but what he is, does good well is he gets across the ground quickly 
um, and he reads the game very well. I think on Saturday, Saturday, some of his distribution was poor, but I think that a lot of that was lack of rhythm and uh, very and rustiness from his first game back. Uh, but ultimately, um, we may have enough uh, players, you know, players to cover that position. Fung um, Funguk looked really, really good when he came on. Uh, he just, he was, he, he, he reminded me of um, Angolo Kante esque. He was just. He was just in. He, I think he intercepted every every interception he went for, and he's just. He looks like a real engine, and I mean, he looks like an amazing one for the future. We'll have to see what happens, but um, yeah, I don't. I don't think we need to stress too much about about getting a getting a holding midfielder in. Um, I didn't go to the Peter game, but I watched it, and he and everyone who went said he said he um, had a cracker, and I'm from watching the highlights on iFollow. He looked like he held his own. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's he's one to watch out for. And if we if we um, have a think about that, because I guess Fonguk, what he does offer in addition to his technical ability is um, a bit of strength. And John Cosgrove asked a question. He said, "Did Luton come to rough us up?" And um, I mean, Mem, I'd, I'd like your answer to that first of all because of the two injuries. But secondly, do you think that there's a physical aspect to the team that does need a bit of work? Because we have got quite a few um, small players in there, um, particularly in the midfield. Do you think that's something that's going to be an issue in, in games to come? Or do you think um, we're managing that quite well? I think the, I think the perception was always going to be that um, we're quite a small side uh, in, in, in some areas. And I think the perception would be that we probably could be kicked off the park. But I kind of felt that uh, that we actually really held our own. And it was it was really important and really interesting that the spine of um, with Curtis Weston playing in the spine made a big difference. Just that one per well, that one person, but I think even Wesley Fonguk is a strong guy um, down the spine. But they did, they, but that's how Luton have always played. They've always they're a Division Two side that just basically uh, they try and compete, and then they try and uh, once they've competed, they try and beat you with a bit of extra quality. But in this case. We're the ones who had the extra quality. And um, and finally, if we go to um, Charlie on this as we as we look ahead, um, we've got a few games coming up um, against Crew and Stevenage, and both of those sides have made quite similar starts to ourselves in the sense that they've had quite tricky games. Um, they've drawn two and they've just lost in the cup. What what do you make of those two games um, on paper, Charlie? And secondly, what are your expectations as we go into those potentially having Big John back? Um. Well, you, you, we've got to be going into the next the next game full of confidence. I mean, I, I'm I'm going I'm going to Crew on Saturday, and I'm I am expecting a win. I I I think we can go there and get all three points. I don't think there's any reason why we can't. Um, we just look we we don't look like we're, gonna, we're like this from Saturday. We don't look like we're going to concede. I think I don't think if that game went on for another couple of hours, I I don't think Luton would have scored. Um, we we just look really really solid and I mean we we didn't have we haven't got good memories um, from Crew last season um, I don't think we got the greatest record there I remember we got spanked seven one a couple of years ago um, and then we got the big derby the following week with a trip to Brighton sandwiched in between so I think it's uh, it's exciting exciting couple of weeks coming up um, for everyone uh, whether or not a kindy is going to be back. Um, I mean, there's speculation <laughs> that's been going on throughout the whole of July and August. On it seems to be a new team every day that seems to be interested in him. 
um, according to some some Twitter accounts. But um, yeah, like you said, we've 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 coped without him um, more than more than um, held our own, and I think he's just going to be when he is back and fit. Um, we're going to go that one one level further because we all know what he's like, John, when he's on the pitch. And I think with if he was if he was playing Saturday, um, I think we would have we would have won more comfortably because there was a few times where we were knocking it over to Shaq and I mean he's not the biggest of lads and he's not the strongest of guys either so there was times where I was thinking if John was in there um, would it have been a different outcome but um, no it's 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 going to be an exciting few weeks I'm really looking forward to it and men and Sort of last word to you, really. Um, I guess similar thoughts. What do you think uh, ahead of the, the crew and Stevenage game? And, and and secondly, based on these, you know, few games we've seen, would it be such a blow if we if we lost John? I mean, would this be the right time to perhaps cash in on a Kinde if uh, a bid was tabled of say half a million? Um, or do you think it's worthwhile hanging on to him? Do you think he's going to really add to the system we've got in place? I suppose firstly um, to do with. The next couple of games, I actually think the team, the way the team played on Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry, could easily be replicated against Crew because essentially we play like an away side at home, but needs must. It was Luton who were going to be one of the teams there or thereabouts. So I think that if we go into the game with Crew and play a similar way, I think that bit, we should be able to sneak a result there. As for Stevenage, I'm not sure. I haven't seen Stevenage play this season, so it's difficult to know what what. Um, what way to, we're going to play against them? Are we going to come out and play a little bit more because we fancy um, fancy you know our chances against them? Um, as for Big John, it's a difficult one. I mean, the guy's been has done so brilliantly for us. You can't really um, you can't really just you know you can't really feel that he doesn't deserve a big move of some kind. Uh, to you know, he's getting to, he's 28, so this would be his last sort of big um, attempt to trying to play out the divisions. Um, I've heard that um, that no bids have actually been made, but I've heard that um, that Tony Clanfos has spoken to a lot of clubs, and uh, I'm hearing that bids of anything of or sorry of price ranges of anything from 700k to a million. He's quoted clubs depending on the size of them. That's what I've heard. Um, but I think clubs are just laughing off, laughing at, laughing at him, and sort of uh, going away, which is potentially the reason why so many clubs have come in and then gone off. So, uh, but look, let's be fair. The system, the way we played on Saturday, if we had Big John, no offense to to Cortes, but if we had Big John up there, when them balls were coming in, they were fifty fifty with their centre halves. I'd have fancy John to just basically just you know uh, steamroller one of them and, and get in over the top. So he 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 would in this team he would make a huge difference to, um, for the way we're going to play potentially on Saturday. So yeah, anybody everybody was going to want Big John in the team, but if we don't have him, I think we do need to get um, another striker in to uh, share the burden with um, with Akpag Pro and Cool Test. Brilliant. And um, well, thank you both guys for, for joining me. And um, yeah, fingers crossed we can keep up the good form going into uh, our upcoming games against Stevenage and Crew. Um, and Charlie, good on you for making the trip because I was up there for the seven one. I don't think I'm ever going to return to uh, Crew again after that <laughs> performance. So you're a braver man than me. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll try and have a live show with with the three of us and Michael, maybe a few others, um, either at the Stevenage game or a couple uh, in September. But 
Um, fingers crossed we keep up the, the good form and thanks a lot for coming by. That was Mem and Charlie, who will be featuring on one of our live shows at the start of September. I also took some time to catch up with Matthew Fisher, our resident Barnet blogger at Loudmouth BFC, who talked tactics, transfers and targets before the start of September. Enjoy. So I'm delighted to be joined again by Matthew Fisher, um, aka Loudmouth uh, BFC, who uh, I saw uh, on camera uh, at the Luton game on Saturday. Firstly, Matthew, what were your thoughts on that game in comparison to the two previous games against Forest Green and Peterborough? Watching it, while we was there, I didn't think we played great. Um, I thought we wasn't up to our usual standard, but we knew we was going to be in for a difficult time. So maybe the way we played was to shut, not necessarily shut up shop, but to close them down, stop them playing their free-flowing football because no one likes to lose full stop and to get eight knocked past you like Yeovil did, obviously we didn't want that to happen. So I thought we played far too much long ball in the first half. I thought that they had more control of the ball, more possession, but looking back at it, they did and they played it out from the back, but they'd done it a lot in their own half. I think that because we didn't have a sh- our first shot on target until the 53rd minute, I just thought that they controlled the game a lot better than we did. That was the first half. Second half, again, we upped it, but it looked like it was going for a nil-nil draw until Jack pulls out that wonder strike. And in terms of um, the squad then, um, we've talked a lot about John Akinde on the pods and also um, as fans. What are your thoughts on, on him and, and how his absence is affecting the team and whether or not you think um, you know he's going to be with us, whether he's going to carry on playing it in games coming up? Well, I mean, obviously he's a massive boost for everyone around Barnet. And when you see him on a team sheet, even if he's on a subs bench, other teams are scared of that. They don't like to see him there. He is a massive threat. And he obviously scares the life out of defenders for other teams, which we love. Yes, he has been massively missed. I hope his injury doesn't keep him out for too long. And I hope we definitely keep hold of him. I just think... I don't want to be one of the negative people. But if he's not in the squad for crew, I don't know if we need to start reading between the lines here. I don't know if there's been an agreement with a team where they've said, we'll take him off your hands. We'll let you keep him until the end of January, but he cannot play a game just because it might, you know, give us some hope in a way until we can sign someone in. We signed Shaq, but we might be signing someone else. We don't know. And then we offload John Akindi. It kind of softens the blow in a way. I mean, if, like, we've had a chat with loads of Barnet fans having a chat with Rossi. If we want to take Barnet to the next step and stop being a middle, mid table team, we need to keep hold of our best players. Fans come up to me and said, why do we need John Akindi? We're scoring goals, we're winning games. How can you ask a question like that? He is, without a doubt, our best player. He's guaranteed 20 goals a season. I'm not going to say he single-handedly kept us up for the last two seasons because it's a team effort. But without 20-plus goals in your team, it's very difficult to find a goal scorer. Perfect example, now I might be going a bit overboard here comparing Barnet to a Premiership team, but you look at Tottenham. How many times have Tottenham tried to sign a world-class striker or a, a goal-scoring striker and have failed, come up short, and then the next thing you know, they find someone in their youth academy, Harry Kane, who can't stop scoring, scores goals for fun. 
Now, if Spurs was to sell him, you've got to think of two things. You've got to think of, one, can they replace someone like him? And two, the money you get, are you going to get the same amount of money that you've sold him for to spend on new players or a new player? How are you going to disproduce that money? So again, I know I'm sounding a bit weird comparing John O'Kindy to Harry Kane, but what I'm trying to get at is if you want to win things and you want to achieve things, you can't sell your best players. And trying to find someone like John O'Kindy in League Two is very difficult to come by. And I guess... You know, looking also at players who um, perhaps are less important to this squad. So um, a few we've talked about, you know, um, a few midfielders that perhaps are are sort of bloating out the squad. Um, Sweeney, um, you know, Watson, players like that. Um, uh, Nichols as well. What are your thoughts on them? Do you think they'll be around at the end of the transfer window or do you think they'll be um, long gone? It's a difficult one. I feel a little bit sorry for all three of them, if being honest with you. Two of them were signed by Martin Allen, were starters... And then it kind of went a bit up in the air with Martin Allen left. Sweeney, again, I don't think he's been given a real chance. We don't know who signed him, obviously, when uh, Rossi and Henry were both in charge. But looking at Twitter, he's just posted, does anyone know any football agents? Now, I don't know if that's a joke. I don't know if that's true. Again, let's not read too much into it. But I do, unfortunately, think Sweeney is going to be on his way out. Same as Nichols. I personally think... We should keep Ryan Watson. Now, I'm a massive fan of Ryan Watson. People know that, and I've explained my reasons why. I just hope that it doesn't come by. Sorry, it doesn't come back and bite us in the bum if he does leave. I just think that we do have some quality players coming through. The youth ones, Fong Gook looks like a quality player. You've got Curtis Weston, who's 29 now. He's got the experience. You've got the youngsters there as well coming through. Valetti, he's got legs. He can run all day long. I just hope it doesn't come back and bite us in the ass. I would like us to keep hold of Ryan Watson. And now, if he can stay injury-free, gives he can get given a proper run in the squad this time round, where there's been no madness going behind the back doors with changing management and everything like that. And um, final question, I guess, looking forward um, to the, the upcoming fixtures with or without those players, what are your hopes um, looking forward to the games against Crew um, this Saturday and Stevenage this Saturday after? Well, last game of the season against Crew, we just crumbled. I don't know if our players was on the beach, you know, drinking pina coladas. I don't know. Um, it, 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 we went there and it wasn't great. It really wasn't. But hopefully... Again, it, there's been no injuries. I know Elliot Johnson looks like he's going to be out for a little while. Um, Ari looks like he's going to be in a squad, which is a good thing because we don't know how long Brindley's out for. He might not be fit or ready yet. So we're definitely going to need him available. Again, I like the tactics. I, I think they work. I know a couple of people don't seem to think it's a you know, a free centre-arse with wing-backs, like a 5-2-1-2 two, two sort of thing. But whatever way you look at it, it looks like three centre halves in the fullbacks, and I do like the formation, and I think it can definitely work. And the fact that Rossi can adapt to um, different styles, I think is great. I think that if he puts out the strongest team, like I've always said, we take one game at a time. There's nothing silly like little niggles or injuries. I'm always confident we're always going to beat teams. So hopefully, we put out our strongest team who is available, and we go from there. <laughs> Thank you.
That brings us to the end of this week's Beast Pod. Rossi's men now have three fixtures in the next fortnight. A trip to Crewe on Saturday is followed by a visit to Premier League Brighton on Tuesday night. And a busy August is rounded off with a home fixture against local rival Stephen Barrow. We'll be featuring all three games on Beast Pod in the next two weeks. So stay tuned and subscribe to hear what Mem, Charlie and others have to say. Thank you again so much for listening. If you have time to subscribe or give the show a review on Twitter or on iTunes, it really helps other Bees fans discover the podcast and join Barnet on this season's adventure. Until next time, come on you Bees.